again to Womance Public Access Read-Along, The Pride and Prejudice, Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. I am your odd chapter reader. My name is Morgan. And my name is Isabeau. I'm your even chapter reader. And this week we are reading chapter five, which means last week Isabeau read us chapter four. What happened in chapter four? Oh man, chapter four. Jane and Elizabeth decompress the ball. (laughs) We find out that Jane is very, very nice, even when she's trying to insult Mr. Darcy, who gave Elizabeth insult and was generally kind of a drip at the ball. Totally. Yeah, so we've met our hero, and guess what? He sucks. (laughs) He's got too much prejudice. Pride. Or he's just a shy boy. Or he's just a shy boy, and it is our Lizzie who has too much pride and too much prejudice. We'll never know. (laughs) No way to know. No way to know. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and kick off Chapter 5 then. Within a short walk of Longbourn lived a family with whom the Bennets were particularly intimate. That sentence is so freighted right now as we're reading this the mormon soft swinger gate is uh in full swing as they say indeed but it's not that kind of intimate it's um intimate eg 1813 you know what i mean okay sir william lucas had been formerly in trade in Meryton where he had made a tolerable fortune and risen to the honor of knighthood by an address to the king during his mayorality. The distinction had perhaps been felt too strongly. It had given him a disgust to his business and to his residence in a small market town. In quitting them both, he had removed with his family to a house about a mile from Meryton, denominated from that period Lucas Lodge, where he could think with pleasure of his own importance, and unshackled by business, occupy himself solely in being civil to all the world. For though elated by his rank, it did not render him superlicious, supercilious, supercilious, supercilious. It did not render him supercilious. On the contrary, he was all attention to everybody. By nature, inoffensive, friendly, and obliging, his presentation at St. James's had made him courteous. Lady Lucas was a very good kind of woman, not too clever to be a valuable neighbor to Mrs. Bennet. They had several children. The eldest of them, a sensible, intelligent young woman, about 27, was Elizabeth's intimate friend. Shout out to all the 27-year-olds who are going to have a hell of a relatable line. That the Miss Lucases and the Miss Bennets should meet to talk over a ball was absolutely necessary. And the morning after the assembly brought the former to Longbourn to hear and to communicate. You began the evening well, Charlotte, said Mrs. Bennet with civil self-command to Miss Lucas. You were Mr. Bingley's first choice. Yes, but he seemed to like his second better. Oh, you mean Jane, I suppose, because he danced with her twice, to be sure that did seem as if he admired her. Indeed, I rather believe he did. I heard something about it, but I hardly know what. Something about Mr. Robinson. Perhaps you mean what I overheard between him and Mr. Robinson. 
Did not I mention it to you? Mr. Robinson's asking him how he liked our Meryton assemblies, and whether he did not think there were a great many pretty girls in the room, and which he thought the prettiest, and his answering immediately to the last question, Oh, the eldest Miss Bennet, beyond a doubt, there cannot be two opinions on that point. Upon my word, well, that was very decided indeed. That does seem as if... But however, it may all come to nothing, you know. My overhearings were more to the purpose than yours, Eliza, said Charlotte. Mr. Darcy is not so well worth listening to as his friend, is he? Poor Eliza, to be only just tolerable. I beg you would not put it into Lizzie's head to be vexed by his ill temper, ill treatment, for he is such a disagreeable man that it would be quite a misfortune to be liked by him. Mrs. Long told me last night that he sat close to her for half an hour without once opening his lips. Are you quite sure, ma'am? Is not there a little mistake, said Jane? I certainly saw Mr. Darcy speaking to her. Ay, because she asked him at last how he liked Netherfield, and he could not help answering her, but she said he seemed very angry at being spoke to. Miss Bingley told me, said Jane, that he never speaks much unless amongst his intimate acquaintance. With them he is remarkably agreeable. <coughs> I do not believe a word of it, my dear. If he had been so very agreeable, he would have talked to Mrs. Long. But I can guess how it was. Everybody says that he is ate up with pride, and I dare say he had heard somehow that Mrs. Long does not keep a carriage, and he had come to the ball in a hack chaise. I do not mind his not talking to Mrs. Long, said Miss Lucas, but I wish he had danced with Eliza. Another time, Lizzie, said her mother, I would not dance with him if I were you. I believe, ma'am, I may safely promise you never to dance with him. <laughs> His pride, said Miss Lucas, does not offend me so much as pride often does, because there is an excuse for it. One cannot wonder that so very fine a young man, with family, fortune, everything in his favor, should think highly of himself. If I may so express it, he has a right to be proud. <laughs> that is very true, replied Elizabeth, and I could easily forgive his pride if he had not mortified mine. Pride, observed Mary, who piqued herself upon the solidity of her reflections, is a very common failing, I believe. By all that I have ever read, I am convinced that it is very common indeed, that human nature is particularly prone to it, and that there are very few of us who do not cherish a feeling of self-complacency on the score of some quality or other, real or imaginary, vanity and pride are different things, though the words are often used synonymously. A mm -hmm. person may be proud without being vain. Pride relates more to our opinion of ourselves, vanity to what we would have others think of us. Mm -hmm. If I were as rich as Mr. Darcy, cried a young Lucas who came up with his sisters, I should not care how proud I was. I would keep a pack of foxhound and drink a bottle of wine every day. <laughs> <laughs> Young Master Lucas knows what money's for. Exactly. I relate. Then you would drink a great deal more than you ought, said Mrs. Bennet. And if I were to see you at it, I should take away your bottle directly. The boy protested that he, she should not. She continued to declare that she would. And the argument <laughs> ended only with the visit. Excellent.
we get our first titular character, Pride. Indeed we do, and we get a meditation from the very meditative Mary. I know, very much directing us on how to understand Pride, I think, in this book. It's not the same as Vanity. I do really like that distinction, and I think it's correct to point out that we do use them interchangeably even now. Mm, it's true. It's true. This book is so contemporary. Ugh, isn't it just ha- <laughs> having a bunch of foxhounds? <laughs> a bottle of wine every day. The dialogue just goes trippingly along, trip, trip, trippingly along. Like we don't even have to get distinctions about which character is speaking all the time. Uh, and sometimes we, when we do get the distinctions, it's very cleverly placed. What do you think? What do you think of chapter five? It's it's interesting to have another chapter reflecting on the chapter three. Yeah, I mean, that's four and five. And there was also a reflection in chapter three um, where Mrs. Bennett is going through it with Mr. Bennett about how many dances Jane got. So now we know. Also, like, I don't know. Here's here's my deep thought. Like, it's so mean to say that, like, Mrs. Lucas is a valuable friend because she's not that smart. But also she is a good friend, you know, when, like, Mrs. Bennett's doing the fishing for, like, what did you hear about Mr. Rob? And she knows very well. And then, like, Mrs. Lucas just gives the thing, gives her the thing that she wants. It's like, that's nice. She is a nice friend. Do you think the book understands that? Or do you no. think that, like, yeah, you feel like the book is just mocking? Mm-hmm. I wish it wasn't. All the way back to chapter one when you speculated that Jane Austen's voice wouldn't be present here. I was wrong. <laughs> right off the bat. And she's here to make fun of people. Particularly matronly women. I can't believe folks uh, didn't think that this would resonate with men. <laughs> I also want to reflect on Jane. She's doing that awful thing whenever you're trying to talk shit where she's like, oh, I'm sure he has a reason. And then Charlotte like picks it up too. And it's like, just support Lizzie. Yeah, seriously. She just told you that her pride had been mortified. And you're like, he has a right to his pride, Liz. Yeah. She's got a right to hers too. Yeah, they could learn to be more like their mothers. (laughs) I think that's actually a really good place to leave it, that you could, they could learn to be more like their mothers. With that. You do not have a right to your prejudices. And you have a right to your pride, so don't loosen it. <laughs> You're going to need to loosen why are, it. Why are you blowing the... <laughs> Just say loosen your prejudices and let me have my conclusion. Your conclusion is going to have to change. Uh... Never loosen your prides. End of episode. Goodbye. <laughs> Mwah. Mwah. <laughs>